My name is Justine Hickman, and I'm a long-term student of Peter Tad. In this, the fourth podcast of our series, you will hear Peter discussing his own clairvoyance, how he sees his clients' energy, and what we bring forward from our past lives. So hello again, Peter, and welcome back. Justine, great to see you again. So today on Consciousness Matters, um, I really want you to share more with us about how you would define clairvoyance and what it is you see. Clairvoyance means a lot of different things to people. I remember coming here to England back in the 80s and um, when I mentioned I was clairvoyant, people thought I could see the future. That's how they associated that idea. And that was a, one that I hadn't known before because uh, for me, clairvoyance simply means that you're seeing light. That's the, the breakdown of the French word clair is light and voyer is to see. And so mm-hmm. we all are familiar with seeing light on in terms of closing our eyes and, let's say, the dream state. And so that wouldn't be considered clairvoyance. I'm just dreaming. But actually the mechanism that is used in the dream state and seeing light is really one of the first stages of the expression of what we call the mind's eye, the Mm. forehead chakra, the all-seeing eye. Um, For many of our listeners, I'm sure that there have been those who are um, meditating and in their meditations that can also arise in the meditation state, seeing light, seeing color. Um, anyone who's done any kind of regression therapy, all of a sudden you're seeing images, you're having deep memories, visual pictures, yeah. referring back to an earlier time. The, the part of the brain that is utilized is this uh, middle part of the brain, the midbrain it's related to, or the limbic center. And in that part of the brain, there are endocrine glands. And there is one gland called the pineal gland that is responsible for this ability to see light within ourselves with our eyes closed and eventually with our eyes open. And when I'm speaking about light, I mean an octave of light that is just beyond the physical spectrum of light. Mm. And you just referred to it as seeing light within ourselves. And I think, you know, there's there's a confusion possibly in when people think about clairvoyance as to whether you are seeing something outside yourself or inside yourself. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, most people think of clairvoyance uh, as, oh, you can see auras, and so you're seeing someone's mm. aura around them. And so how, how does that work? What's the, the mechanism that uh, I understand that allows us to both see light inside and outside? Before I answer that, I just want to comment, though, on 
the idea, the very notion that there's light inside the mind. Um, this is a big cultural thing, mm. you know. Um, one of the understandings I've had working with many clients when I do regress them and have them close their eyes is there is this tendency to assume that when you close your eyes, the lights go out. Right. And I can see that um, when someone's lying down, I can actually see the forehead chakra. Um, it's classically known as a soma chakra. And when it's dull and a person's lying down, they aren't seeing anything. There isn't anything that they could identify as light or something that's luminous. So they naturally say, no, I don't see anything. But in that process, I will sort of um, push them and say, well, um, what, do you, what does that look like? Or if they say nothing, I'll ask, well, what does a nothing look like? Yeah. And then they begin to describe the gray <clears throat> because they're assuming they're going to see something like white light. Okay. And because it's not white light, they're saying that the, the light is on, is off. But... The, um, and this is, you know, to take this into a, an understanding. So why is that gray there? Why isn't it white? And mm. so gray is a color that relates to pain. It can relate to sorrow, to grief, sadness, all kinds of upset. These creates this dullness. But the emotions that uh, we hold inside of ourselves um, physiologically are very related to that limbic center I mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the chakras, the forehead chakra is a mirror of our emotional state, of our feeling state. And, and that can be um, a conscious or unconscious thing. The emotions that are unconscious when I um, analyze that from the chakra system, I see that lives in the abdominal area of the body, our guts. So we've got feelings. Mm. The, this area um, holds a lot of trauma, often related to childhood, and that's very much the basis of how I work with people who come to me who are trying to to deal with those historical issues. And as I said, you know, we all know that we remember some things, but not others, but all the information is inside, depending how deeply buried it is. But a one of the dynamics that I know that it's important in this regard is that the second chakra in the sacrum, just below the navel, uh, because it holds all that information, it is reflected in the brain in that limbic area and is then projected onto the mind's eye. Uh, in the second chakra, I call it the mind mirror. So there are techniques that I've developed to help people uh, open to those images, uh, release them, understand them. And when those aspects, the traumas, the charges on the pain are released, the mind clears, and literally the mind's eye, it's literally like seeing a cloudy day and watching the clouds disperse, and then you have a blue sky. Um, 
And so the relationship between these two are very uh, important in this regard. Um, I use the term uh, periscope. It's as if all this deeply hidden, it's almost like in the murky waters, um, uh, these, these past senses and confusions and hurts and pains and abandonment and all the rest. Um, they're, they're trying to get out. And one of the ways to get out is to be able to see them because the, when we can consciously see uh, and in a, in a regressed state, either what had happened or images related to that symbolically or colors that relate to that time, mm-hmm. uh, a very powerful, not only release happens, but an integration happens uh, therapeutically. Uh, so that's one of the applications <clears throat> That people don't associate with clairvoyance, um, yeah. but I found it to be um, one of the most important uh, approaches that I've used with thousands of people. Yeah, and in in the simplest state, you can um, you can look at somebody, look at the state of their third eye, and tell what emotional state they are in. Right, and and also the other chakras as well, right. um, and. In terms of light, the, the the basic pattern that I see with the people, at least who come to me, is that their higher chakras are lighter and brighter and more expansive. So when I say higher, I mean from the heart chakra, the throat chakra, this, the third eye area, and the crown chakra. Um, and the lower three chakras, the root, sacral, and solar plexus, don't have the same degree of radiance. And I attribute that to a, a number of things, but it's really where the, the heavy work is, the heavy lifting has to take place. The lower chakras are really concerned with the physical body, its state of health. The second chakra has so much to do with our emotional identity, our ego development, our feelings of self-confidence. And the third chakra is our engagement with the, the world with society, with our environment. And not only the way we relate to the environment, but how that environment impacts us. And that has to do with everything from the jobs that we're doing, our workplace, whether we're living in a city environment or in the country, whether we're exposed to various kinds of pollutants, uh, the whole range of pollutants, from electrochemical to electromagnetic, rather, and to chemical. Um, and, and so that's where we, we're moving through um, the reality of this world that is, yeah, there's a density to it. So those chakras naturally have a kind of dullness or density. When we begin to engage more directly with those chakras and learn how to release the stresses there, the impacts then are going to be um, shown on the physical level, shown on a sense of just overall vitality, which is going to be clearly an aspect of the second chakra, and a natural engagement with our environment without feeling overwhelmed um, or in any way um, somehow not invited or not participating in the world. Uh, And many sensitive people who come to me do feel overwhelmed and do feel somewhat, you know, like outliers 
from a society that's going in directions that they don't naturally um, uh, are attracted to. And do, you, do a lot of people that come to see you actually want to develop their own clairvoyance? There are some, and those people uh, sign up for workshops and that I've offered over the years. There, uh, the idea, I guess, why someone would want to develop, you know, let's say the particular mm. gift of clairvoyance, because it is a gift, and it's it's very much associated with uh, a term that I made up called feeling see. So, again, it's not so much about being entertained by the kaleidoscope of energies around someone or the fact that you could see the colors in your aura or someone else's aura. Clairvoyance is very much like one of our senses. It's a visual thing. The fact that it's unusual and that there are um, dimensions that one is uh, privy to once the mind's eye opens that says nothing about the heart chakra or the throat chakra or the crown chakra mm. because I sometimes say this is like going to the movies but you need to have the subtitles that are going to explain what you're seeing I've, I've had that uh, I've had people come to me uh, one woman I remember she was a hairdresser and her third eye just would never close and she would see lights all the time while she was doing her work but they were meaningless they were just sort of these rays and flows and squiggles without any context at all. And how did you deal with that? Did you help her to interpret what she was seeing? Or did you, you know, how, what did she want to do about it, I guess, as well? Yeah, in a way, for her, she was more interested in shutting it down. Yeah. Because it was more of a, a distraction than a help. Yeah, that's ironic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> when so many people would, you know, give their IT to be able to see so easily and really work at it. So it's very much then about, um, yeah, it's, it's usability, it's place mm. in your life. And then also how to develop other parts, because this is where, you know, our theme today is about clairvoyance. Mm. But the whole new age, I think, has overdone that overemphasize the clairvoyant thing. Um, it's one of seven chakras in the body. We have to work on each of those. The weakest link in the chain needs attention. And that's the basis of the teaching that I've been offering uh, about the chakra system, that it's a whole system, it's integrated. And um, then, if any of them, you know, they wouldn't all develop, obviously, at the same time. But in this particular instance, you know, if one's third eye was open, then being able to access and clear the throat, the solar plexus and the heart, you would then really know why and you're seeing what you're seeing. Mm. You know, uh, otherwise it's just sort of a heightened sensation. Yeah. And more information. Yeah. And there's other ways of using your intuition, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, then the whole question is like, when our intuition, um, that f that feeling state, I, mean, I I think that leading with the with feeling, and intuition. That's more um, the way to go. 
um, my own guides were explaining meditation to me once. And they said meditation really is just becoming more and more aware of that quality that we call feeling. You feel yourself relax. You feel the sound of the breath. You feel a shift going on. You may not be able to describe it in detail, but it's not about thought. It's not about understanding. All of that, that, that comes way later in the whole process of tuning in and becoming aware and, you know, what's now called mindfulness. It's about the sense, the sense of silence, the sense of peace, the sense of gratitude and happiness and joy. And then, you know, something can arise in the mind. And so when we say arise in the mind, I mean, I'm immediately seeing color, and I think that's what happens. So the, the light of the mind appears, but again, it is something to just allow and observe and um, not abandon, let's say, the feelings that are going on in the body at the same time. There's this very unusual and beautiful relationship of the heart, physical heart, and the, this limbic center of the brain. Mm -hmm. There is actually a nerve for some reason. I don't know what the, the planning was when they did the wiring diagram for our <laughs> nervous system, but it's called an unobstructed nerve. And I find that really amazing that the heart has this relationship to the center of the brain, to that part of the brain, because that's the feeling part of the brain. And the heart is all about feeling and sensation. And for me, in the way I view the chakras and the, their various roles that they have and the way they work, is the heart area is the place of our elevated self. It's the, the deep nature of our being. So the word consciousness, like we're working with this theme, consciousness matters. Well, consciousness in the heart area is a consciousness of belonging, of embracing life, of recognizing, you know, other as self, uh, experiencing the divine within. That is a sensation of warmth and all the qualities that associate that whether it ex expresses itself as something visual is not so important compared to that state mm. so clairvoyance is a little bit like giving you the tools to detail out how things look and how things work um, it's more like a physicist in a sense or seeing the interrelationships. And not everybody needs to know that or has to know that. Mm -hmm. um, for, what, for many reasons, I think I've been, you know, taken into that relationship with my mind's eye. Um, and I can go further here. <clears throat> One of the results of abuse uh, is developing the third eye. Okay. What do you think that's about? Well, it's it's a mechanism of 
um, getting off the playing field, we cannot sit still inside ourselves when we're being attacked. And, and that's true of all forms of abuse. And what I'm, what I'm seeing in my work and what I understand is that this is primarily a situation when we're very young. Um, but it's not exclusively just when we're young. But when a child is traumatized due to emotional abuse, and most specifically sexual abuse, the second chakra closes down. The child closes their eyes. They don't want to be there. But their spirit or their soul or their mind goes somewhere. And what they do is they go up the periscope and they go into this place that feels safe. So they're no longer identified with their bodies. They're, right. they're out of their bodies. They're, they're bailing out. They're up here. And now they're not feeling so vulnerable, so um, helpless. Mm. And then, um, you know, after those occasions, they, they come back down, but not fully. And so many of these people obviously don't feel comfortable in their bodies or with life. They're not trustful. They don't have self-confidence. But due to, it's, it's this, I don't know if we would call it silver lining, but the, the, the mechanism of getting away from the pain forces in a way or encourages the third eye to open. And then they use that ability um, to scan the horizon and stay out of danger. Um, and, and that's something that I've seen with adults and they, they have that acuity and they're always um, watching and they're hyper alert and hyper vigilant. Yeah, yeah, I've seen You've that. seen that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like a very childish question, really, but I am very fascinated by this. When you look at somebody, when you really open up and read somebody, mm -hmm. how would you describe to someone what it is you see? How would you um, explain that to somebody who really has no awareness of what they're seeing through their third eye? What do I see? Well, let's start. I don't see all the time because I have the ability to turn my clairvoyance on and off. And that's very important, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I would be overwhelmed, you know, going shopping for groceries if I was seeing people's auras uh, and all the energies around all the, the bits to buy all the food. So it's luckily something that I have developed control over and I've always had control over it actually but in a session like on a one-on-one -on -one therapy session when the person you know knows that um, this is going to be part of the session I have permission to look at them then I open up my energies and I begin to see and what I normally see is I'll start to see all the chakras in the body it's like looking at a Christmas tree I, I remember the first time I saw this, I was doing a session because prior to working as a clairvoyant, I worked as a medium. But I stopped that because I felt that it was too too demanding on my overall physical body. Um, and I had made a request to my guides that I wanted to work clairvoyantly. And one day, 
person sat down and instead of going to a trance state, I saw these lights and I looked at them and then I connected to them in this feeling way. And so I sensed them and as I focused on, I remember this orange light in a person's throat chakra. My head said, well, that can't be right because orange is supposed to be in the second chakra. Mm. But indeed, this orange was in the throat and it opened up. And the color orange is a very beautiful, strong color. But it, it means that, that that energy is very direct. Orange is, a, a, you know, just above, it's related to red in a little way. Where red is kind of meaning to, to, to stop, and orange means to go ahead. Right. And I find people who have orange, or very rarely people wear orange as a color, they're pretty high intense people. It's more like a candle flame color, this orange. So this person really was a talker and was really <laughs> able to convince people of things because that orange energy uh, could project, project their ideas and their words. Right. And the colors then um, would talk to me and they would literally have stories in them. And then sometimes the color would open up like you're opening up a, a ball and inside that ball there's more and there are images there and it could, that image could be about something that happened in this life could be uh, another person could be an image of a flower could be an image of a, one of the planets in our solar system could be a past life could be okay. images and symbols related to depending on which chakra um, a particular initiation of a spiritual tradition. So chakras aren't just a color. They have many layers. They, what's presented is how the person is presenting themselves. And then there's this energy that goes around the body that's called the aura. And that is basically the result of the way these chakras are sending energy out. The, the aura is a field of energy that is the wider expression of these, the placement of the chakras themselves. Can I stop you for a minute there? Yeah. Because you've just, you've just touched on a couple of things that I think people might find interesting. And one is that you've said, you know, that chakras are not just one color. And I think most people, when they think about the chakras, think about that classic picture, mm. that image mm. that we all see, that we're, most people are familiar with, where right. you've got that almost rainbow sequence of colors from red through to the violet as you run through mm. the, the body. Um, I think you would say that actually that isn't quite how it works. That isn't quite how you see it. Um, that's come from another another place. Well, the history around the New Age and chakras, um, I did some research into this because you're right. When I started seeing the colors that were not, uh, you know, the rainbow spectrum colors that are identified with the chakras, I discovered that this notion of that relationship, this started here in England, I think, in the early 1970s. And I think, if I recall properly, the man's name is Christopher Underwood. And he just 
<clears throat> drew the chakras that way because it's something that he had learned from a very famous clairvoyant named Charles Ledbetter, who was one of the founding members of the Theosophy Society. Mm -hmm. If you read Charles Ledbetter's book on chakras, they have the colors that you find in Indian descriptions of chakras that are not the rainbow at all, completely different. What Ledbetter experienced as a clairvoyant was that sunlight would enter the third chakra area, but he saw it actually going into the pancreas, and that the pancreas acted like a prism, and that solar light would refract and feed the chakras those colors in the way that we're familiar with. And that indeed is why when you mentally send those colors to the chakras, you feel better because you're sending them the colors that naturally are coming from the light of the sun. That is one layer of the system. Um, and it's just been taken as a kind of a shorthand to mean that the chakras are these and it's just one aspect. So really visualizing those colors will nourish those chakras, but, yes. but those chakras do not present in those colors themselves. Right, particularly, let's say, on emotional levels or on spiritual levels. Right. And this is something to really um, take on because particularly when people are using their feelings and going into a medita meditational state. And I, this happened when I began teaching many years back. And someone would close their eyes. We're working on the root chakra. And, you know, then we talk about our experience. And someone says, well, I saw gold light. So obviously I didn't do it right. Yeah. And I'd have to correct them. And so that's really um, one of the, you know, negatives around this rainbow spectrum as the you know one and only color to experience it's just on one of the layers of the of the aura it's one part of the chakra system the the root chakra when it's gold is wonderful um it can be red it can even be this beautiful kind of obsidian black it can be white um and, and that's important for us. It's important for us to always honor the experience and know that what we're experiencing in that moment, in that time, um, is, a, is right. Mm -hmm. And then to have the direct relationship with it yeah. and not to immediately think, oh, I'm, I'm not fitting into some, you know, uh, template that everybody has agreed to is the template. It's really a an unfortunate thing that came out of that time. Yeah, it's, it's about developing the self-confidence, actually, to know that that first thing that you see is the right thing, is the thing that you should be seeing and the thing that has a message for you, possibly. Mm. Um, that's really helpful. I mean, that's really helpful. That's been a really helpful lesson to me. Um, and I think, you know, for other people as well, you're embarking on this because it's very easy to get hung up on that image. Well, that it's all about doing how, it right. Yeah. Oh, things should be like this. I, I should be doing it this <clears throat> Yeah, way. all the details, you know, of like how many chakras there are, how many petals there are in each chakra, what's the right this, what's the right that. And it's fascinating that, you know, cultures grow and develop differently. And the, the, the basis is, as you're saying, it's about developing a relationship with yourself. It's experiencing yourself 
in ways that you can honor that are more than just the face looking back at you in the mirror or the ideas you have about yourself in any limited way. The way we develop, the way I feel I've grown, is by really embracing experience. And if I don't understand something, I will wait for the understanding to come. And I have some <laughs> stories where I saw something, it took 20 years for the answer to arrive. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it, Was it worth waiting for, Peter? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And, and this sense of that life really is, uh, in a way, a mystery that's revealing itself to us and in some ways very uniquely for each of us. But it's about trust. And, and this is where the trauma in the lower chakras and not just that, but the trauma in day-to-day -day life and the craziness that you know we're all experiencing as yeah. society and our planet is going through this huge transition. Of course, that's going to be disturbing and destabilizing and for me all the more reason to get centered to expand your sense of self to realize you know that we are even we're much more than this physical form and that that is not something that is an idea or a notion but embraced uh, fully that requires some uh, time to jettison some of the things that really don't hold um, as to concepts, ideas that are fixed, um, that we associate with. I mentioned that in an earlier podcast. One of my um, email addresses is Chakras Alive. And I chose that because they are alive. Uh, I continually battle against the notion of labels, of thinking our, of ourselves as an object, um, as something static. I really embrace the idea that, you know, life is a process. And the chakras are always interacting with each other, influencing each other. Everything is constantly in motion. That's what life is. Life is this wonderful give and take, this wonderful flow. Energies moving up and down through the center of the body, moving front to back, side to side. Um, it's a dance. And when we try to fit into the image of what society would like us to be or our parents' expectation or any kind of group, that's when we start stopping having a, a natural, almost childlike relationship with our, our, our lives. That's very beautiful the way you describe it. Thank you. That's lovely. The other thing that I want to just take you back to, which you've just mentioned, um, and I don't want to let it slip through the net, um, you said when you look at the chakras, when you're doing a reading, you can see things from people's past lives. And I know this is something that we're going to talk about more in a, a later podcast, um, but I wonder if we can just revisit that for a minute here. Um, because that's that's another thing that um, that I've always been curious to know um, is how you see that um, and what the context is for you, whether you only get that when it has a message for the person that you're doing a reading for, um, whether you see multiple past lives or whether you just get presented with something. Good question. I don't go through a catalog of people's lifetimes. 
what I um, experience is if there is uh, an influence in this particular moment that I'm working with someone that comes from a former life or maybe even a future life and that's a whole other another one another area to <laughs> we're going to be here to, a while to go to. Um, it, it extends the sense of of self and it also helps um, give a reason to why things happen um, things are connected nothing happens for no reason so why is my life like that where my brothers or my friends is a different way and sometimes that can be very clearly helped by understanding that well you've done this in the past and they're they're good things i mean some of the strength and the abilities we have when you look at you know these ch these child prodigies you know how did that child be able to play an instrument at such a young age or and it's not just down to dna dna is often you know uh, part of the mix uh, or an orientation, you know, many people who come to me are very spiritual and I've seen many of them had lives in monasteries or were yogis or were, you know, Tibetan monks. And that's reassuring for someone saying, oh, yeah, well, maybe that's why I've been, you know, on that path and I'm not so interested in something else. Or um, there can be sometimes uh, an explanation of um, I had a really dramatic experience. I'd forgotten it happened in the very beginning of my journey in this way 40 years ago. I remember this young man came to me. I was living in the States. And all of a sudden I saw his past life and he was riding a horse wearing a military uniform and he was part of an army that was attacking the Native American population. And he was in battle, and um, I saw that he received a wound on his shoulder from um, a sword. And he just, his eyes widened, and he took off his shirt, and he showed me the scar, and he said, I was born with this. No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so, you know, I, I'm an average guy. You know, I grew up in suburban America, uh, with all the values of that culture coming out of, you know, into this sort of other world of seeing and understanding. You know, my, my parents were very conventional in their beliefs. I was involved in, you know, Presbyterian church through university. I had no um, knowledge of past lives. It wasn't, you know, anywhere in on the playing field of my life ever. Um, and, and with these ideas, you know, I, I, I really want to embrace the fact that we're all learning at our own pace in our own way. And I was very reluctant to take on some of these ideas because it was, they were so other or foreign or alien to my culture, to how I understood life. And it was over a long period of time uh, for me to really say, yeah, there's something to all that. So going back 
to you know your relationship with your soma chakra um, and you know how you teach around that mm. now um, is there is there a, a takeaway that we can have from this conversation that would that will help people when they're looking at how to work in that area yeah it's this <clears throat> I used to get these songs that would arrive sometimes and <clears throat> and one was about you know, see the master holding high the the lamp of light illuminating the path of truth and right. Uh, everybody's got twenty twenty hindsight. <laughs> um, and the close your eyes and look around. Um, you learn the truth by the way it sounds. Um, and I can't remember the next verse, but the the fact that we can close our eyes and receive directly. Not out of books, not out of the mouth of some great teacher, but that uh, the information is there. We are whole and complete in ourselves. So what I do is I try to just help people by giving them techniques, encouragement, you know, support, uh, and feedback, because I do have this ability to say, yes, what you're seeing is this or it's that. Yes, I can confirm that or I don't know. Um, and that's amazing to realize that in a way the universe is not external. Um, that the resources that we are wanting, you know, are inside and available. A lot of it comes down to something very simple, which is like letting go. And, and so we have to let go of ideas that really um, are incorrect or don't serve us, whether they're about life in general or about ourselves. Um, and for many people, that requires a good amount of personal healing and developmental work and support. And, and that's why I find that, you know, um, releasing the traumas in the body, particularly the ones held in the hip area, the second chakra, lower abdomen. Um, that is, if you're really wanting to become clairvoyant, you've got to do that work. Mm -hmm. It's just as, you know, very obvious. Uh, the other question, you know, of developing the mind's eye is that understand when you do that, you're now going to have an intimate relationship with everything you see. You're not just like looking at something, you know, at arm's length. You're creating energetic link. You are now linked to that person's soul or mind. And you have to have the strength and the ability to hold that attention and not get overwhelmed by what you begin to pick up. Mm. Because your aura, your energy has to be strong enough um, to filter out some of their traumas. Otherwise, you're going to get drained and, you know, um, overwhelmed by the experience. Not something to do lightly. Yeah, it, it isn't sort of a parlor game. Yeah. You know, um, and it's so funny, Justine, because <clears throat> you, you, when you read history, you know, there were grand viziers that would see things, you know, 
many kings and queens and emperors all had their seers. Um, and, and to have that as a known um, part of ancient history. And then today, um, the whole realm of this area of, you know, spirituality forward slash, you know, psychic development. Um, it's part of an awakening. I think that there's a general opening and acceptance. Um, I, I do see that is part of the, the distant future. I don't know how to measure that in time. But, uh, in one of the future podcasts that I hope to have with you, I, I want to address something that is a project that I'm calling the Blue Rainbow and Change for Good. And this um, touches in on the quality of the mind. So the Soma Chakra on the forehead, which is you know about two and a half inches in diameter, it relates to another part of the mind's eye between the eyebrows, which is really small. It's sort of the size of the tip of your, your little finger. And, and that is called Ajna, and that in, that's translated as Guru Command. But basically what that does is instead of just receiving information and seeing light, you're now sending out uh, light. But you're not just sort of illuminating the space like a torch or a flashlight. The purity of your mind and spirit is expanding into the material world in such a way that it creates kind of like, I'll call it shockwaves in the matrix. Um, and that's how miracles can happen. That's how unexplained things take place. Um, and in that sense, the Ajna Center uh, even though it's, you know, lower than the forehead center or soma chakra and lower than the crown chakra, um, has an extraordinary, unique role to play, and this is something that's quite advanced. Um, so we've got plenty of other chakras to explore, apart from the ones that people might feel that they're familiar with as well. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> As you well know, because you've been studying with me for a good while, and <clears throat> we've discovered and worked with chakras that are outside the body, above the body. Mm. Chakras that <clears throat> relate and correlate to vast distances of space through all time, all space, and uh, even beyond the notions of time and space. But that's definitely for another series. That <laughs> we do. Yeah, we're not going into Stella. This time, we're not. Peter, thank you so much for your time. It's been really lovely to hear you talking about this. And um, look forward to doing the next one. Thank you. And thank you for your, your questions and your, your help and hospitality with uh, bringing this out because it's a, a real joy for me to be able to share in this way to uh, all of those who are listening. So thanks again. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Consciousness Matters. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and will join us again next time when Peter will be in conversation with Susie Hodder-Williams, who co-created the beautiful music for these podcasts with Jerry Crozier-Cole. And they will be discussing music 
and meditation. If you're interested in finding out more about Peter Tad and his work, you can find him at petertad.com or follow him on Facebook or on Twitter at Chakraman7. If you've enjoyed our music and would like to hear more or attend one of the Blue Concerts, Music for Meditation, you can go to susiehodderwilliams.com or jerrycroziercole.com or follow at Blue Concerts on Twitter. Thank you again for listening. Please do rate, subscribe and join us again.